Welcome to Soulmate Seasons, where it's not how much you make, it's how much you save. How much you save both in terms of money and time. Where we know that if you make a million dollars but spend a million and one dollars, you are less well off than if you made a hundred thousand dollars but saved twenty thousand dollars. Because the goal is to save more than you make. As long as you save more than you make, you're ahead of the game. The difference between money and capital is that money is something that you use to buy stuff. Capital is money that you put to work in order to make more money. That's the theory of capitalism. That a dollar today can be worth a dollar ten, dollar twenty, a dollar forty at some point in the future. And that our job as business people is to figure out where to invest that dollar in order to grow it at the maximal rate. So I think a lot of that has been lost on our generation where we think of we think of money as something that we can use to buy and it is something that we can use to buy consumer goods. But money is also something that we can use to make money. And as so many of us in this generation are entrepreneurs with creative talents, with creative spirits, with creative abilities who want to create something because we feel it in our blood, we feel it in our bones, we have to remember that consumer society has made us exactly that. It has made us consumers where we can make a ton of money, but there are an endless, endless, endless array of items that we can spend that money on. One of the beautiful things about the modern economy in the developed world is that there's no shortage, absolutely no shortage of things to buy. And there are things to buy at every price level. We can buy a car at $30,000. We can buy a car at $60,000, a $100,000, $200,000, $1 million. You can find a car at every price range. You can find a cell phone at every price range. You could find a computer. You could find food at every price range. The trick is to figure out at what price range, you're going to be satisfied 
healthy, happy, and able to live your life while at the same time preserving enough capital so that you can take that capital and invest it into something that will grow so that you'll have more money to provide for yourself and your family. So let's unpack that a little bit. You know, the studies show that at about $70,000, happiness from having more money stops increasing. That is, once you reach a certain level of self-sufficiency, subsistence, which right now, for many people on average, is about $70,000 in America, having more money doesn't actually make you happier. Now, I live in the New York City area, for us, $70,000 isn't going to cut it, and I realize that that's just an average and that money goes further in other parts of the country and other parts of the world. So we aim for a couple of hundred thousand dollars. We have goals for ourselves that include the best in education for our children, the best in food meaning organic food, healthy food, nutritious food for ourselves, and the ability to uh, generate investment capital. So for us, you know, that bar of $70,000 is raised. But the general idea that once we have enough money to reach the basic level of subsistence that we want, more money isn't going to make us happy. What's going to make us happy is putting that money to work for us in a way that provides sustainability, ability to create the businesses and the creative projects and the legacies that we want and the security that we want for ourselves and for our children. So sustainable security, creativity. Those are the things that we aim to use our money for. And we're not under the illusion anymore that having more stuff is gonna make us happy because the way that the human animal is programmed genetically, biologically, is that any gains that we make are fleeting because we are born out of uh, an animal kind of mindset where if we were satisfied every time we hunted one time, every time we went out, we hunted for some food one time, and if that hunting gain kept us satisfied forever, we would never be hungry again to go out and hunt again. So we would essentially die. So necessarily, new gains bring us a psychological benefit, a psychological high for a short period of time. And then that high has to die down. And then we have to do it again, go out and hunt for the next food. And so shopping for goods is in many ways like hunting. You go out, you find that perfect 
car, that perfect outfit, that perfect handbag, that perfect piece of art, whatever it is that you find that you really, 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 really hunted for and need in that moment, it brings you an immense feeling of joy and satisfaction until it doesn't anymore. So if you're relying on goods to really make you happy, if you're relying on goods to make you happy, you're inevitably going to be disappointed and you're probably going to be poor because you're going to keep on buying stuff and many people buy stuff at such a rapid pace that even if they made a million dollars, they're spending a million and one dollars or more buying bigger homes, buying the fanciest goods, the fanciest cars, luxury items. They're in debt. They have credit card debt. They have mortgages. So they've been filling their lives with these goods for which they've hunted and they have to keep hunting because the thrill that they get from acquiring is great, but then it dies and they become addicted to that thrill. A lot of cases, the people that have the most financial resources have become so used to this psychological thrill that they forget that there are other things that can bring fulfillment or because they have such access to money to buy things that they just keep on buying things like money is like water to them it's always there so they can always keep buying things they can always keep getting this cheap psychological thrill of acquiring the next thing and then hunting for the next thing and hunting for the next thing we've all seen you know, my own mother is a serial shopper and she's had, you know, good fortune of having a great deal of money from her father and then from my father and other means. You know, she's been fortunate that she's had so much money. So what she does is she goes throughout her day, she's buying stuff. She's constantly buying stuff. She doesn't have to worry it's not really a worry for her that money is going to run out. So she doesn't have to create fulfillment from something else. But the fulfillment that she gets from buying is necessarily fleeting. So I can't help but worry that she's putting herself in financial jeopardy because she's constantly buying stuff. So she's using her money as money for consumption. She's not using her money as capital. That's something that we want to talk about here is what's a good strategy for taking your hard-earned money and allowing it to grow for you in a way that is spiritually, economically, psychologically fulfilling, going to provide you with security going forward. Now, my grandfather on my father's side, he um, came out of the lean years of the Great Depression. And he's the one that originally started to teach me about this idea that it's not how much money you make, it's how much you save. He told me that at one point he had three jobs. He was uh, selling insurance, he was selling woman's lingerie, he was selling oil. Eventually, he started to buy real estate. He did very well for himself. 
But when he didn't have a lot of money, he would save 10% of everything that he made as a habit. He made $100. He would consider to himself that he made 90. He would put $10 away. That $10 became capital that he invested in the stock market, in his own business, and in real estate. And he let that money grow over a period of what is now more than 70 years. He's now 92 years old. And because compound interest is an investor's best friend, which we will discuss in a later episode, because he let the power of compound interest work for him over time, and he continued to reinvest that money, continued to save 10% of everything he made, he accumulated a substantial nest egg for himself, which provides security for himself and for his family. Thank God, beautiful, beautiful blessing that has allowed our family many, many opportunities. So this idea that you must save and you must not spend more than you make is key, key to success. If you're borrowing money, whether it's to pay for goods that you buy on a credit card or for a house, you're automatically working against yourself. Now that has important caveats. Inflation is reported to be at around 3% by the official uh, US government statistics. Now, many of the people I talk to outside of official statistics and uh, one of my favorite newsletters talks about the real inflation rate being between five and 7%, meaning the dollar is losing between five and 7% of its value every year. So if you keep your money in cash and don't invest it at a rate of greater than five or 7%, that money is becoming watered down and worth less and less every year. So it pays to put that money to work for you. Now, one way you can do this is by um, investing in your own real estate. If you take out a mortgage, whether it's for your own residential real estate or commercial real estate, which you use an investment property, and that mortgage is for, you know, a good interest rate, uh, you know, today the going rate is around 5% give or take, depending on your personal um, credit and and a few other factors. Now, if the rate at which you're borrowing is less than the rate at inflation, or equal to the rate of inflation, you're breaking even. If money is losing value at a rate of 5% a year, and you're borrowing at 5% a year, you're breaking even. That's great. 
but if you're borrowing on your credit card and the APR annual percentage rate is 18% or 22% a year, the dollar that you pay today is costing you a dollar 22 next year. And that dollar 22 is then charged 22% interest over the course of the next year. And it continues to compound until it becomes a cycle at which you can't get ahead of it because the compound interest is working against you when you're heavily in debt at high interest rates. Now, what you want to do to create financial freedom for yourself is you want to take that 10% of your income that you save every time you make $100, take 10% and invest it in stable, low-risk investments that are going to grow at a rate faster than inflation. So that if you are growing your money in an investment at 5% a year, in a year's time you have a dollar five, and that dollar five is now going to grow at 5%. And you can see it's going to compound upon itself until the power of compound interest is working in your favor. And you can get to a point at which you never touch your principal, but the interest that your principal is throwing off is enough for you to live on. So to break it down, principal is the initial amount that you invested, and the interest is the amount of money that that investment is throwing off. So if you invest $100 and it's paying you 20% interest a year, that's 20%, $20 a year, you can live off that $20 and the $100 can continue in perpetuity to generate that 20% interest or whatever amount of return your investment is giving you. And it becomes even more powerful if you are, say you invest $100 and it generates 20% interest, instead of spending $20 a year, you spend $10 a year and reinvest $10, then you can see how you have three components of your investment portfolio. You have the initial principal, the initial $100, the $10, which is compounded upon that initial principal, so you have now $110 in principal, and then you have $10 in interest that you can live off of. And as those numbers become larger and larger, you see how you're building for yourself economic freedom. You can check out our website for some guides that show this on paper, some charts, some writing, and links to various other sources. But this is really, really cool stuff, exciting stuff. And what you can start to do is you can take your investment income, you can invest it into other 
stocks, bonds, and real estate, but you can also invest it into your own business. You can fund your own business, your own creative entrepreneurial pursuits with your investment income, and therefore you're not putting your security at risk because you're protecting your principal, you're adding to your principal, and you're taking a calculated risk on yourself with the part of your investment income that you're investing in yourself. And the beautiful thing about an entrepreneurial business is that you can usually grow it if you're successful in business at a rate far greater than the 5 or 10% that you can get from conservative low-risk investments. Thank you so much for joining us. We'd love to hear your comments, your ideas. We learn from you just as much as you learn from us. 